0: Hello, this is Matt Marone, worship pastor here at Glen Island Bible Church. You're listening to the Next Level Podcast. Today, we're going to answer listener questions from Sunday, May twenty
1: 2022. I'm John Vanderbilt, the executive pastor.
2: Hi, everyone. I'm Simone Halpin.
1: And I'm Kelly Brady, senior pastor here at Glen Bible Church. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Next Level. Good morning.
0: It's good to be back, man. Hey, yesterday was my first day hey, back. Hey, was it fun? It you was great good? to have it you was back. awesome.
1: It was awesome. Man, I just I thought you came like, back with a, a lot of horsepower, dry powder, ready to be. I a was part.
0: right. Afterwards I was like, did I
1: come out too hard there? Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> I, don't I thought know, it was like, great. I loved the profession of faith. I loved you yeah. coaching us on, hey, you can say amen. We I had a lot you. of amens. I, well, and I loved you defining amen for us because there are words like hallelujah. People don't actually know what they're affirming when they say it. It's praise Yahweh. Yep. It's praise God, basically. Yeah, hallelujah. Yep. So.
0: Yeah, that was a long time to be off the platform. And some of it I was, was looking at a beach. Um, <laughs> others I was just staring at the ceiling going, I feel terrible uh, because I was sick. But... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, we just—I think both Jennifer and I both just missed worshiping together. Mm. Like, there is—if that's not confirmation enough for me for what I already believed—like, you just—you cannot forsake the gathering. It is you gotta be with the people. It is God. precious. I don't know about how you guys feel about it, but more times than not, I just feel like it's—I am like crawling into service you know like after the week yeah and it's like for it's like this ultimate refreshment reset button where it's just like oh yeah yes this god yes okay thank you for reminding me okay now we're gonna go back out and yeah. i'm gonna make it another six days you yeah. know so it's, it's almost <laughs> there's
1: almost a little bit of that i don't know mm-hmm. if that's 100 percent healthy or not but do you do you guys ever go to church while on vacation i, I love going to church while on vacation i love seeing yeah. what the people of god are doing and where they're gathering and in sensing what the Spirit's doing. And. I did, uh, you know, we go to the
0: Panhandle, Destin. I, I did once like a couple years ago. Yeah. There's, a, there's a church right across the street. It's, um, I can't remember the name of it. Um, but it's, you know, it's kind of like ours, except for it's, uh, you know, Next more to of ocean. a- the ocean. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah, <laughs> Warm? It, it's more warehousey. It's more big production, you yeah, know, yeah. feel. Um, dark inside kind of thing. But it, it the, the beach dynamic mm. is so interesting. Just- people in flip-flops and you know it's just different it's just that's awesome it's just different and uh yeah it it was fun it was fun all right questions yeah let's do this we got a few questions from yesterday's sermon let's let's get into it so in which laws specifically are we to delight because there are a lot of weird laws in the old testament (laughs) there are a a lot of
1: weird laws Mm -hmm. Do you, do you want to
0: first kind of talk about the laws,
1: Name D- your, the differences? Name the weird... Yeah, I'll do that. Okay. Just can y'all think of any weird laws? One comes to mind. It always comes to mind for me. Don't mix different fabrics. Yeah. Mm. Like linen and wool. Um, fabrics were to be of one sort. Yeah. Yeah, so... Is that uh, a symbolic... Reason, or is that, a, I, I or is there what, an, another practical reason for that? Well, I don't know if there's a. I think it's symbolic, and right. and that's part of the delight. Is uh, some of the laws were aimed at setting the people of God apart. Some of the the laws were aimed at, like circumcision, you know, um, was aimed at identifying the people of God and the hope of the people of God. Uh, setting them apart holy, but when you, when you get to laws like um, not mixing different fabrics, I, typically what I've heard uh, from scholars is it, it was a, a unique way for the people of God to remember that they were called out, that they were to be a part, separate. Um, And so a number of laws like that, you you want to, when you approach them, you want to interpret them or understand them in the context of a people being called out, unique to the Lord, to be a a city set on a hill, a light to the nations. All these are Old Testament references. So yeah, there are some weird Old Testament laws, but I, I would say the short of it is we're to delight in even the weird ones, and we're to do our best to wrestle with bridging them to a 21st century reality. So, yeah, we're fine mixing fabrics today, and there, there's no uh, standing prohibition against that for us. Uh, but we're still a people holy to you know separate. We're to we're to be holy, and. Um, and to live separate apart from nations that aren't following Christ, our peoples would be the people that were, were to stand out as a city set on a hill still. So, um, you know, the word law in Psalm 1 um, is, should really actually, and I, I could have set this up, it, it's, it's, in the Old Testament, many times the lowercase L law is this collection of teachings or instruction that comes from the word of God. Um, it's most convenient to talk about the Ten Commandments um, as the law of God, capital L, but it's really all of the instruction in the in the scripture is the law of God. It's, that is to say it's the word of God for us, to us. It's authoritative. We're to, uh, to build our lives around it, to embrace it, accept it. So um in the Old Testament, there were at least three different types of law. There was the civil law, that's how the nation of Israel governs itself. There was the ceremonial law, which had to do with the feasts and the sacrifices, how they um, cared for, how they were cared for in their sinfulness, the sacrifices. And then there was the moral law. and the moral law is the Ten Commandments. and, and, and it's the moral law that has not passed away. Right. Um, that meaning you know, the nation state of Israel as a theocracy a god-governed nation uh is is not what we are under. So the the civil laws of, of governance and the ceremonial laws, the temple isn't present anymore. Uh, Christ was the final sacrifice. Those laws have passed away. They don't have a claim on us uh, daily. But we can still see God's provision for Israel and thus His provision for us as we understand those laws in yeah. the gravity. It's the moral law of the Ten Commandments that still has a claim on us and and has not passed away. Mm. Most of the
0: time when you see somebody post something snarky about modern day Christianity and references a law from the Old Testament, more times than not, that law is either ceremonial mm. or um,
1: the civil sacrificial, Yeah,
0: you know, yeah. well, look at, look what, look what the God wanted them to do
1: then. And, and then they yeah. try to discredit modern day right. Christianity. Yeah. So civil law is like the test for adultery the test for adultery was that the the adulteress if accused by her husband would drink basically dirty water and if her abdomen swelled she was guilty if her abdomen didn't swell she was not guilty and and i get it that our our modern folks would call that ludicrous but it was really looking for the hand of god in in adjudicating matters um and so um we need to we need to to see God as, in that law, as cherishing marital fidelity and the family unit and wanting to preserve, I mean, it's the seventh commandment, don't commit adultery, wanting to preserve Israel as, uh, there were also very specific divorce laws, all of which were aimed at protecting women. It's fairly straightforward to see. So, um, we need to see him as, God is cherishing the family unit and understand that He's trying to preserve Israel such that he could bring Messiah and care for the sins of the world. So when we, when we approach a law, here's typically what I want to do. I want to identify the part of God's character that's revealed in the law, what he's calling his people to. What is it that God's prizing here in giving this law? And, and then I want to celebrate, as best I can, Jesus' fulfillment of that law. I want to see Christ in that law, wrestle with, well, how is Christ fulfilling this law? Uh, who is he in... Uh, To us in keeping this law, then I want to rely on the Holy Spirit to emulate who Christ is in that situation. Any thoughts on Old Testament law? From I think that's super helpful
2: and kind of like your point that I don't know that I don't uh, I don't say the average Christian, but I don't know that a lot of people know that what you just explained. I feel like that isn't um, talked about enough. Talked about or just understood, and so I appreciate you giving that clarity and how it applies to us under, because some of them are really weird. I'm not gonna lie, there's some Mm -hmm. weird ones, and it's hard to measure that to today.
1: Yeah, and if you work with the Old Testament law, and I've done a little in my my grad school classes, um, if you work with the Old Testament law, many of those laws were aimed at caring for women Mm -hmm. um, and preserving their place in society. So Mm -hmm. for example, I'll give an interesting law on divorce. There's a law that if a man divorces a wife, and then she marries another man, she cannot go back and marry the, uh, the first man. So there's a, and it was aimed at protecting women from just being passed around. Mm. Oh. Uh, so men had the freedom uh, to divorce wives, and then if, if, if another man married her, maybe that increased her social standing, even if he divorced her, and then the first man might wanna go back and marry her. And so it was to, it was to care for women.
2: Mm -hmm. It's almost like you're laying the groundwork for, you know, those of us who study the study scripture to remind us that there is a point, even if it feels weird Mm. or it doesn't at all mesh with culture today, there's still like, you need to approach it with the goodness of God in the front of your mind as you try to Mm -hmm. interpret some of these Mm -hmm. strange things.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of times it's an insight into what was going on in other cultures. Mm Mm-hmm. Around Israel right God wanted Israel to stand out he wanted them to be his people and be different and Mm -hmm. a lot of these laws are aimed at
1: keeping them different from the other cultures Mm -hmm. right and then there are laws like the the year of Jubilee where they were canceling debt and setting slaves free yeah man I'd be up for MasterCard visa and discover adopting that law (laughs) You know, so I, I just, my point is there were some, while there are some strange laws, don't mix fabrics, there are some beautiful and radical um, laws uh-huh. that we clearly see in Christ. Our debt was canceled. We live in the year of Jubilee, the year of Lord's favor, where our our sin debt is canceled. And there are a lot of those laws prefigured um, who Christ was going to be to us, like you know, the second commandment, don't make any images because I'm going to give I'm going to mm-hmm. show you who I am. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the next one. What did you mean by saying that the
0: Psalms are song lyrics and poetry? What does that have to do with how we understand
1: them? Thanks. Love it. Love, Love the question. Yeah. So there are, and I feel like we've done a good job around this at Glenelg Bible Church. Um, John Greening, uh, uh, one of our soon-to-be elders, uh, he was a firm last night at the congregational meeting. He led a class on, on dealing with biblical genre and making sure you understand it. So it's basically, y'all remember phone books. Y'all are old enough to remember phone books, right? Oh, yeah. You don't read a phone book the way you would read poetry, right? There are mm-hmm. two different types of literature. And basically, you know, the Bible is a book of books, 66 books, and there are different types of literature in the Bible. Uh, there's There's uh, law. Uh, like the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. There's history. Um, There's what's called wisdom literature, which is the Proverbs, uh, sayings around which we can glean wisdom and understanding. There's narrative, like the Gospels. Uh, there's uh, the book of Acts has has narrative in it. Uh, there are epistles, that is personal letters, one-to-one one or one-to-a-few. There's prophecy. There's apocalyptic literature, um, which is uh, literature like the book of Revelation, some of the book of Daniel. So there's just really different genre, and when you go to those different genre... There are different ways to understand and thus apply it to interpret it in poetry. Uh, poetry, you know, the Psalms are are beloved. Do you guys spend much time in the Psalms? Yeah, for sure, yeah, every day. Yeah, that's newer for me in the last decade. I, I'll, I'll be frank with you. I, uh, the Psalms wasn't a book I turned to, but as I have matured in my faith and as a man, I, I am growing and in valuing the psalms and the poetry and frankly the emotion that is talked about in the psalms so when you get to the psalms you got to realize it's poetry and poetry is is a unique literature and hebrew poetry is unique It's, it's not like modern poetry and so there there's parallelism in there so um when you hear uh, he is a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and the leaf does not wither, it's called a synthetic parallelism. It creates a a new out of two or an existing one blossoms into a second. So he's like a tree planted by streams of water, and then a secondary effect of that, which yields its fruit in season. And so there is. There's parallelism. Uh, there's contrary, or antithetical parallelism. There's synonymous parallelism. Like "Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin." Wash, cleanse, uh, iniquity, sin. So there are these parallels set up in the poetry. And so when we hear, when we listen to our favorite country songs, our favorite Western songs, then we can we we understand there's poetry there. That was a joke. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> chiasm. So a b b a. So at the, at the there, have mercy on me, O God. According That's to your, a. yeah, according to your steadfast love. B. According to your abundant mercy. B. Blot out my transgressions. A. So, so there, there are there is a symmetry in in the way they are um are building these poems, and not to know that you miss a lot of the the gravitas the, yeah. the weight. And sometimes there's acrostic, okay. and and sometimes in the Bible some
0: of the psalms say this is an acrostic yeah. psalm, which means it goes down the Hebrew alphabet,
1: yeah, right? from like beginning like, to end. Right, right. Psalm right. one nineteen does that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just you want to know that you want to know um, the goals of the author in order to handle his communication well. Yeah. Do you guys remember when you
0: first started? Uh, studying genre? Like, I, I, I remember first kind of finding out, like, oh gosh, I need to handle the books of the Bible differently and how, like, how did that make you feel?
2: It's super empowering, I think. Really? Like, when you, yeah, when you understand that there's a whole deeper, like, the gospel in and of itself is, is enough, right? Like you're mm-hmm. just so thankful yeah. that Jesus has, you know, reconciled you to God. And then to know that there's so much more to learn and to apply and um, it's exciting. It's, I don't know, yeah. I found it really, I still find it really empowering to- <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. I was, I, you were it, overwhelmed.
0: I was overwhelmed. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, as somebody who wants yeah. to understand as much as I can, mm-hmm. at first, at yeah. first, I How was just- How old were you? Um, I don't know, it was within the last 10 years, okay. you know?
1: Yeah, you weren't um, raised in a believing home. No, no, you see, weren't was regular sitting. It in was church. like mind blown when mm-hmm, I found
0: that yeah, out, mm-hmm. you
1: know, and was just like, yeah. what? Well, because mm-hmm. oh it makes gosh. you feel like
2: you could be reading something wrong. Exactly, you, there is exactly. that level to it. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I think I was in high school and I just noted, oh, he's trying to do. You know, I'm listening to the the the, pulpiteer, the preacher, and i i I can remember thinking, he's handling that differently. And just noting that, his caution in preaching, I, for me, realizing the genre, the breadth, says something to me about the beauty of Revelation. Mm-hmm. That there's, he is making himself available with different linguistic opportunities here for us. Because poetry wasn't always my thing. I would. I would hunker down in Romans and work in Romans or the epistles. And so, and then it's, it's, there's a breadth of it. There's a breadth and it's beautiful. And Mm
2: -hmm.
1: it only makes sense that given the breadth of humanity's needs, that there'd be a breadth of revelatory, um, scripture.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's where I am now. I think it's beautiful. I think it's wonderful. I love it the emotion in the Psalms has really ministered to me in, in the last decade in the way that you know nothing else in scriptures is, is probably gonna the yeah. history books don't speak to it so
2: like it like it gives you permission to be it emotional does. yourself
1: yeah in a way uh, you know Psalm Psalm 2 kiss the sun or judgment's coming mm. it's it's a it's a direct address of Christ um my God my God why have you forsaken me um You know, if Christ felt that, then then certainly I may feel that at times. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the affection expressed, you know, just the love for God in the Psalms. Um,
3: I love the the idea in the genres. I think a lot of what you shared about um, how God would reveal himself in these different ways mm -hmm. allows us to connect. But I also see a real beauty in that God used and revealed himself to the authors. He inspired them and what inspiration looks like. I mean, that's a whole, you know, there's a lot of different angles on that, but we believe, you know, it's wholly inspired um, by God, but yet written by a human hand, mm. you know, and through somebody's right. life, Right. you know, and um, that God spoke to them clearly, you know, and, and help them. But you think about all the different authors and that God used different people with different giftings personalities. and personalities yeah. and, You know, when you compare, um, you know, James to Paul and you can see their uniquenesses and their personalities in, in that. And you think of, you know, some of the other genres that you've mentioned. And I think it's really powerful that God inspired, you know, people with poetic gifts Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to give us some really beautiful truth about who he is, inspired them and, and directed them and yet um you know use their gifts as well yeah. you know david and others you know who wrote worship leaders have yeah. a huge you know uh,
1: pl- uh you place. know a role and yeah. a big place yeah. in yeah. in the scripture which is really cool. David's particularly interesting to me if you drill down on who he was as a man. So shepherd as a little boy, anointed king, chased all over the countryside by the then sitting king Saul, matured, refused to take action against Saul, even though his life was being threatened. Uh, An instrumentalist, could play the harp, so uh, a musical person himself. But in Psalm 144, he says he trains my hands for war, Mm -hmm. my fingers for battle. I mean, David was a a warrior. He was something. I mean he the young age (laughs) carried around a a young age. (laughs) Right. Carried around a pretty big sword. (laughs) Right. For for a season. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he had Goliath's sword with him (laughs) for quite a while and um it's just a really unique and and flawed, deeply flawed. Yeah. Um, and God cared for him and established a nation through him. And
2: I like how he was unex- he was an unexpected leader. Nobody mm-hmm. nobody
1: yeah, called the, him and the said run to the
2: litter, yeah, right, right? right. Which is I don't know. Maybe I identify with that. Like it's nobody said, oh look at him, he's special. Mm-hmm. You know, he what, he was special, but. Mm-hmm it wasn't necessarily how we measure specialness. You know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey Glen Bible Church family, we want to invite you out to a special town hall meeting on June 5th at 7.30 p.m. here at Glen Bible Church. Uh, if you're a member, regular tender, and you want to learn more about the vision of the church, what we're praying and believing God is leading us to do, Come on back out, June fifth, seven thirty, and and hear from the elders about the upcoming multi-site. Um, we're excited to share the next steps with the congregation and uh, eager to be a part of what God's doing. Um, all right, let's let's go to the next one. This is the this is the
0: question everybody is wondering here. Great pictures <laughs> of you and Sherry uh, on Sunday. Those were priceless. How can we know if we are serving an idol rather
1: than Yahweh? Any ideas? First, let's talk about the pictures. So Sherry, you know, I think I told Sherry, hey, I'm going to show a couple, it was Saturday night, and I say, I'm going to show a couple pictures on Sunday. And she's like, what are you showing? I said, oh, one from our wedding ceremony. Which one? You know, she was, and then one from our honeymoon. We're both in our bathing suits. You should have seen. She was not happy. So
2: um, You're like, but look how ripped I was. (laughs) Yeah, and you didn't show that for no, anyone who was no, wondering. No, I did not show.
1: <laughs> it's just I wanted to show we both look so young. Mm-hmm. And the, the point to be had was, you know, pictures are great, but we want, we want our spouses to be in love with us, not in an image of us. We want to know and be known, and not, not for our spouse to experience a likeness, thus the second commandment, don't make any graven image of me. Relate to me. God wants a face-to-face intimate relationship. So, yeah, good pictures. (laughs) Um, Would y'all, anything come to mind for you guys there? Idols are hard to root out. I really have appreciated Tim Keller's ministry. If you've not ever heard Tim Keller preach, this is kind of his forte as a preacher, Um, working to expose idols. He would say it's probably uh, a primary work of God in the Christian's life Mm -hmm. to expose idols and remove them so that we're depending and relating solely to Christ fixing our eyes on Christ so off the top of my head I'd say when we have a feeling um, that we can't be happy without something it's probably an idol can't be happy without mm, a drink in the evening um A certain type of entertainment, whatever that is, even if it's relatively um, socially approved, if even like you know, you can make an idol out of your favorite hobby. um, That it brings us happiness is no problem, but we need to be careful that you know we don't lapse into I can't be happy without Mm -hmm. this. Athletes talk about this all the time when they get an injury. Uh, and they're forced to, to reconcile, well, yes, it, it made me happy to play, but it's not my source of joy. Christ is my source of joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, professional athletes in particular face this as they're forced into retirement because of old age. Where do I fo- find my real joy? So, um, If it draws you away from fellowship, if this activity, I, I think of youth sports, we have to be really careful about how we fill our calendars if, if an activity consistently or a relationship consistently, consistently draws us away from fellowship, um, Matt, you, you talked about how you missed being in fellowship. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and so there's a, there are a lot of activities in popular culture that vie for the time that the body of Christ gathers together. And we need to be honest with ourselves. If it competes for or undermines our obedience, that's not good. Uh, If you think on it, whatever that is, if you think on on this thing more than you think on Christ, I mean, spouses can become an idol um, uh, and can be, you know, so we, we just need to be careful there. We certainly can give our time and attention to our spouses and our children and our hobbies. It's just, the question was, how might we know that we're serving an idol rather than Yahweh as things take over our lives and have a claim on our, on our happiness or if we're obsessed or given mm-hmm. too much time and attention and they can be good things. It doesn't have to be drug addictions and that type of thing. It can actually be good activities. I, I've seen work. <laughs> uh, if, if you give too much time to work, it, it's a kind of the frog in the kettle experience mm-hmm. where slowly, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm at work too much. I've, I've elevated this. I'm not in a small group. I'm not serving, uh, others with my gifts you know i'm not giving any of my money i'm stockpiling it all you know the clear indication that this even work can become an idol yeah, that's good
3: it's, it's interesting to make the the application moses's application for idolatry to that group of people as they're going to the promised land and then to modern the Modernized. contextualization is yeah. i think it's not one-to-one Necessarily, but the overall idea of it. Right. I mean, the fear. So it was a there was a collective idolatry that Moses was addressing. Like, don't you people hmm. collectively go to another god for your peace, comfort, direction? You know, like go to I am Yahweh. I brought you out of Egypt. I'm the only God, and this is my my standard. But then, yet to think of that in the modern context. I think the list that you gave is good. I think of anything you go to for comfort, peace, direction, other than, than Christ God through, through yeah. Christ, you, you're on, you're doing exactly what God, uh, commanded his people, uh, not to do. And it, that's the,
1: I think that's anything we go to, uh, we go to, anybody or thing we go to for comfort, potentially can become an idol just totally. to be comforted by my spouse is not ideology. Yeah, it's, it's the instead of. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And you said, um, just like you said earlier, these laws were, you know, intended to, um, draw us to God. Like he, there's such beauty and purpose in them. And you said at the end of your message that there is a, a danger. The danger is that we become like our idols and that, that jumped out at me. Um, that if we're not careful we're replacing Christ and i i i'll just admit it i had never put it together when when god says in deuteronomy do not make another image uh, and then christ fulfills the image, image. i was like mm-hmm. mind blown you well, know that's fun. oh yeah i yeah. know it was so it was so um just beautiful the way mm-hmm. literally how scripture is fulfilling scripture you mm-hmm. know and well not in that moment in that moment for me yeah. and um how anything else, any other image you put, it's not that you're just idolizing something for comfort or the things that you said. Even I would think a lot of people yesterday thought of positive things that like Mm -hmm. you're saying not everything is an idol is a negative, like an idealistic life, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, But anything we put in that spot of God is actually replacing Christ. Mm -hmm. I'd I'd never thought about that specifically. Mm -hmm. Like I'm actually moving Jesus over Mm as if he's not enough mm-hmm. and putting something else there. And um, when you look at it for me, when I looked at it that, from that perspective, I'm like, I, I'm more motivated today than I ever maybe have to not form other idols mm-hmm. because Jesus has already fulfilled mm-hmm. everything we need um, in our life yeah. and why replace him.
1: Yeah, let's
0: fix our eyes on him.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm glad you brought up Jesus cause this um, <laughs> comes into the, the final question here um, how do, how do we live out the second commandment, this side of Jesus? I understand that God didn't want us to make an image of who he is because God wanted Jesus to be the image of God, but should we be allowed to make an image of Jesus?
1: So, um, have you guys ever been to a Greek Orthodox church where they have icons? I don't think so. No, no, No. the Catholic church, Christ on the crucifix. uh Yes. So Catholic Uh church. Yes. Yeah. And gorgeous stained glass windows with the um, with him carrying the cross, stations, mm-hmm. the stations cross. of the cross. And, yeah. Yes, yes.
3: Um, so icons uh, versus idols, and then usually right. you're making a distinction. Right. Yeah.
0: And then usually there's on both sides of uh, the Alter, altar, altar, uh, I yeah. guess. Right. On both sides is usually a, a statue of Mary, yeah, and
1: a statue of Joseph, maybe, or other mm-hmm. saints. Absolutely, uh, right. Right. So I think the short of it for me is. Because Christ came in the flesh, I don't see any prohibition at at representing Him in a fleshly manner. I, I don't see a problem with that uh, because He was in flesh, and um, there's no there's no problem with that. I would say there's a danger, like with anything. Uh, so where we um, where we turn icons, John, you drew the distinction. There's a difference between idolatry and iconography. So the Greek Orthodox Church has icons. They use them in worship. The danger is when people fix their eyes on the icon in a worshipful Mm -hmm. way rather than on Christ. And so they even end up praying to these icons, uh, genuflecting in front of them, bowing before them, singing to or at them. Um, And that's that's dangerous. Mm -hmm. And so... um, Do you remember the Old Testament story where the bronze serpent is made? Moses is directed and lift up the bronze serpent. Uh, Some churches... Reference that as kind of a permission giving or an example of iconography. And the people of God were to look to the bronze serpent when they got stung by venomous snakes and then they would be healed. And of course, it prefigures Christ because Christ is lifted up and everybody who looks to Christ receives healing. So just as and Christ Himself said, just as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so must so, the
3: Son of Man be right. lifted
1: up. So we're good to go there. We, we see that it prefigures Christ. The problem is, no one was bowing or praying to the serpent mm. uh, or worshiping the serpent. Um, right. And so it icons, served a specific function. It, it did. Yeah. And so. Um, when i see movies that depict christ or uh shows or whatever or I, i'm not bothered by it unless, unless it depicts him and there's not, not going to be a perfect depiction of him you know when christ has blonde hair and blue eyes that we've got a problem uh just culturally we know that's not the case he couldn't have had blonde hair and blue eyes given the the culture but uh, so we want to represent him accurately um and we know he was fairly normal-looking. He had no stature or form or shape that we should be drawn to him. He wasn't. Um... Yeah, and there's.
3: I mean, that's a cultural. There's. Um, I went to an art exhibit one time that was uh, all different cultures with their representation of who Christ was, oh. which interesting. is interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. the African Jesus, right. the the, the Aryan, uh, yeah, <laughs> the 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 blonde Jesus, and the yeah. Um, you know, uh, Latino Jesus. And I mean, there's been, you know, all sorts of different kind of representations Mm -hmm. of that, um, of, of Christ in different, (laughs) different cultures over, over the time period. I I think it's interesting when, uh, like artistic renderings of, of Christ, right? Like, um, the Billy Graham center has the art museum and they've done Mm -hmm. some, some things with that, that, I think are really beautiful and helpful in understanding more, you know, Christ, depictions of Christ over the centuries of the church mm-hmm. and, and things like that. But the, the worship, uh, making it tr- like that's, tr- that is the Jesus. That is the representation or that, you know what I or, mean? That's or that is my Jesus. Yes. the, the one I'm looking at. Right. Yeah. Um, that's not, you know, yeah. Uh, so anytime it, it, comes a thing of that, yeah. It, that's who we're going to worship. That's what we're going to look at. That's who we're going to, rather well, than. What was the
1: Mel Gibson movie that I Passion of the Christ? Yeah, yeah. So I found that helpful just to understand the physical yeah. uh, suffering that Christ went through, or the um, Jesus depicted in the Chosen yeah. series, and yeah, I found him like very. He the depiction of Christ there in teaching and interacting with sinners, and I found it. Uh, helpful and encouraging to watch. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Do you guys, have you ever thought about um, other world religion figures? Um, I I realize we won't see a picture of Muhammad, right? Yeah. But um, like I'm thinking about the Buddha and that's like, it's pretty uniform. Now I don't know. I haven't done a study on this. I don't know. I'm just thinking of every time I see pictures of, is there any other world religion you guys can think of where you see its primary prophet or even God or whatever, where it, has so many different physical <laughs> yeah. representations oh, over the over time, cultural, yeah, you know, like because yeah. in a sense, um, like yeah, I mean, if if you, yeah, I mean, Jesus looked a certain way, we know right. that because right. where he grew up and where right. he lived. Um, but in a sense, there's a, a beauty of everyone seeing themselves in Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, like obviously we don't want to worship that image or right. think that it's right. you know, historically it accurate, yeah, right. but there's like a part of it that I think, I'm, I wonder if, if it is, uh, a consequence of how, um, uh, how the gospel transcends cultures and how, you know, it, um, it can be, uh, translated into other languages and you can mm-hmm. experience God's word in that way. And yeah. I'm wondering if that has a, a consequence on people feeling so, um,
1: you know, culturally connected to Mm. Jesus. I love it. I think you're onto something there. I I think the depiction of Christ is valuable in that it reminds us of his humanity.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And and he came for all of humanity. Mm -hmm. Every nation, tribe, language group. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good Good work work today, guys. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: That's all the questions we have for you today. But if you have any further questions, comments, or concerns, don't hesitate. Text the next level podcast 630-474-6164. Our
3: podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels, answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon, and also general questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith.
2: We love God and believe that scripture is a primary means for our getting to know Him. And our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who want to know God better, strengthening not only your faith, but my faith and our faith together.
1: Thank you for joining us and thank you listeners for tuning in to The Next Level.
2: Boom! Prophecy.